Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I'm Sam Rosenberg. Today is Wednesday, November 15th, or 14th. Jeez, I'm getting my day screwed up. Wednesday, November 14th, 2018. Um, me and Shaka, we're here on the microphone because we got to talk about our teams and... Uh, Things did not go very well for our Jets and our Eagles this past weekend. Um, Shaka, do, do you have any initial responses before we start unpacking what the hell happened? I mean, all I can say is, thank goodness I have a newborn in the house to keep my mind off of things going on. God bless Ezra for that. Uh, it's been it's been brutal just to really kind of just take in and really absorb, you know, the way the season's sh- shaken out, and especially this past weekend, and what that means long-term for the Jets. So it's been rough. It's been, it's been a period of mourning here. Let's, uh, let's start with your Jets. They lost a home game to the Bills. I believe the final score was 41-10. to Yeah. Uh, Matt Barkley came in off the street and started for the Buffalo Bills, who not Literally. long after that proceeded to cut Nathan Peterman. The Bills, for all their woefulness, you know, brought in A.J. McCarron, got rid of him, uh, you know, decided to start, who the hell did they start the season off with? It, was, it wasn't it was Peterman, it wasn't uh, maybe Josh yeah. Allen, I I don't fucking know, but the Bills are an absolute train wreck. But after, Actually, I think Peterman did start the season. You're right, he started like the season, and then Game Allen took the job, and then straight. Allen got yeah. hurt, and, they gave, and then Peterman went back out there. He got hurt, and then Derek Anderson went out, and he got hurt. Got a concussion, yeah. Good God. Um, either way, the highlight here is that the Bills' offense has been woeful all season. Uh, they have had a litany of problems, but to get to this situation where they can come in and stomp on the Jets, this is clearly more of an indictment of where the Jets stand. Um, yeah. I have some opinions. I have some thoughts. I mean, this was not... You can't hang this one on Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold did not play. Um, you know, maybe that's more of an indictment on the fact that the Jets, you know, didn't weren't able to do anything. I mean, Josh McCown is not Sam Darnold. But this is definitely a moment where you're looking at the coaching staff and you're looking at the defense and you're starting to look at the entire franchise as a whole and you really need to start thinking to yourself, do we need to thoroughly pivot here, clean house and try to figure out a way to get the right people in here to build a team around Darnold. Um, Shaka, start with this Bills game and and go from there. Well, like you said, Matt Barkley, he's, he's only been, I think, with the team two weeks before he got the start, which, I mean, says everything he needs to know about Nathan Peterman, which is why he ultimately ended up getting cut. But he starts this game. Um... And basically, first play from scrimmage, Cooks, Tremaine Johnson, our oh god, you know, seventy-four million dollar cornerback, who's supposed to be an excellent lockdown defender, he gets burned for like fifty yards in the first play. Yeah. The very next play, Sean McCoy, who's been struggling all season, runs it in for a 25, 30 yard touchdown. Yeah. That's less than a minute to get the first score on the board. Um, gonna speed it up a little bit. By the end of the first quarter. Bills had 185 yards of offense to the Jets. One, one single yard of offense. Oh. And it just kept going on and on and on. So one of the things I'd like to point out here is, I think for the most of the season, a lot of us and a lot of analysts have been hanging up kind of the Jets' inability to really move the ball on offense to 
you know, growing pains with Sam Darnold. Right. And now you take him out of the equation, and what you see here is that, no, it's... And it's something that, obviously, I've been ranting about every week, is that there's not really much of an offense to begin with on the field to work with. Yeah. So the single yard of offense, I mean, if that doesn't ring every bell and alarm out there that there's fundamentally something wrong with the makeup of this team, then nothing does. Mm. Um, Josh McCown's a consummate veteran. He's being paid $10 million just to be, you know, the mentor and the backup mm-hmm. to this team. And he looked, They, I think they said statistically it's his worst game as a, an NFL, you know, starter. So, I mean, do you look to the coaching for something like that? I, I, I mean, at some point you have to, and it's not so much that you can say, well, the players didn't come out to play. Yeah, no shit, they didn't come out to play. But there's been a reoccurring pattern, a theme every week that the, the Jets on both offense and defense don't look prepared. They don't look like they're ready to, to, to match up, like they didn't watch any video. They, yeah, look, the first play from scrimmage was a guy from the Bills practice squad. You know, he... He cooked them twice, I think, in the game. He had another one on a trick play. Um, they faked a punt, is mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. And he caught the pass in that as well. I mean, it, it, there's not really an excuse for that. And that goes, one, two, lack of awareness and lack of coaching. The coaches just don't have the, the Jets ready to play at all any given week on the field. And at, at this point, it's unacceptable. Look, it, the, I'm not the only person in Jets fandom that's screaming right now for Todd Bowles. If anything, I'm probably a milder voice. And the, everyone's going to be disappointed because the management's already said that Todd Bowles is not going to be fired before the season's out. So he's going to play out the rest of the games, yeah. for better or worse. Yeah. I don't think really – I mean, I think firing him would just be to appease the fans and be a pound of flesh. But it would not stop, you know, this this train from – you know, it's already off the tracks. It doesn't bring it back. I mean, it's just going to keep going further off. So I, I think right now they're just trying to minimize damage. You know, they're they're, they're trying to cauterize the wound. But can, at the end of the day, it's it's, it's bad. Can I have you? T- can you speak a little bit on their defense right now? Because um, well, this was I a strong defense, it, yeah. and I've seen them play very well this season. But I mean, there's been it moments hurts. where, I mean, they just look downright bad. To, I think it goes back to again the issue of preparation. And there've been a ton of games where the defense just does not look like they were prepped for actual, you know, game time speed. It, I, I don't know how many times I've watched um, teams burn them on cross, especially the Jacksonville game this year. I, yeah. I felt probably, the, I mean, granted this Bills game was pretty awful. I think I was the most frustrated at the Jacksonville game because they really, Jacksonville's got three wide receivers, and I think they all play, mm-hmm. this, they, they all pretty much have the same strengths and weaknesses. They're, they're quick, they can catch balls over the middle, it's very rare that they burn you deep, but I mean, this all they did was just catch you know slant passes up the middle of the field the entire game. Yeah. Every time the Jets got them into a third down situation, they just broke out of it and get the third down on a slant pass. It, it felt like the Jets did not learn. And yes, the players have some responsibility in that, but your coaches are supposed to see these things and adjust. Yeah. Um, and going into halftime of every game, I think. In the last 15 games for the Jets, I think they're 0-15 if they're losing at halftime. The oh Jets have not God. come back from any game that they've been down at halftime for 15 straight games. Oh my so God. that tells you that there's no learning curve. There's no adjustment. There's no adaptation to you know the offense. You can. It's almost like Madden. You just call the same play over and over, 
and the computer just does not learn how to adapt to it, to predict it. So, again, there's definitely some onus on the players. And Jamal Adams, you know, which is kind of a little bit of a controversy this week where he did an interview for Bleacher Report and said that, you know, guys have gotten accustomed to losing. Mm. I'm sure he felt like he wasn't throwing his coach under the bus. One, he wasn't lying about that. But two, I mean, that pretty much says, yes, Todd Bowles has not done a great job of coaching these guys and they've gotten comfortable with losing. And, I mean, at the end of the day, that falls at the foot of the coach and his coaching staff that he has around him. So I think it's time, and I think management obviously knows this. And the question is, you know, you can't just go off in the middle of NFL season to look for your new head coach. So they've, I mean, this marriage is, is shitty, but this marriage is going to have to go till the end of the road this season. What do the Jets do for the rest of the season? What exactly do you think they should try to get out of the, the rest of this season? I feel like I've asked this question before, but i got to ask it again. Well, for starters, I mean, Mike McGannon, um, McCagnon, excuse me, I, look, he drafted all these pieces, and I mean, I felt like some of them were thrown away before we even really saw what we, you know, potentialized what we could get out of them. I think Chris Herndon needs to get a, a bigger role in this offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said it before, the tight ends in the NFL are an invaluable asset, and we have grossly underutilized. I mean, look, we've gotten how many wide receivers come in and out? Terrell Pryor's been cut from every team. Oh my god. The Bills it's just, just cut him. And the Bills just cut him. So there's a, a bunch of offensive woes that we have at wide receiver. Rashard Matthews uh, is brand new to the team. Probably doesn't really know the offense super well. Yeah. Um, Quincy Newell has been battling injuries and hasn't really been, you know, a shining star. Um, and, and Robbie Anderson, there, yeah. I mean, listen, there was a couple of games where they involved him, where they were getting him into the offense, but... I mean, he's really. I think he just got the better of um, defenses. He caught a couple defenses slipping. Yeah. Um, and Jeremy Bates again. I I feel like Jeremy Bates has really not brought anything innovative and exciting. Yeah. To this offense, you know, and uh, back in Denver, they were really known for their their running. Um, the the style of running they did a zone running scheme in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, with the offensive line coach now for the Jets, uh, Rick Dennison. Yeah. And we really haven't seen much of that right now. And I think part of it is that the, the the offensive line really hasn't really learned that zone running scheme and doesn't really seem interested in doing it. So it, there's a lot of things about this turnover in coaching staff. You know, there are some growing pains there as well, but it doesn't seem like they've adapted. No one's really kind of learned or adjusted and picked up this uh, running scheme either. And the offense just really has not moved. It has not clicked. So I would like one to see Chris Herndon get a bigger role. God knows what happened on Darius Stewart. I don't think he's on the roster anymore. They drafted this other guy, Chad Hansen. Usually you see a progression where guys like this have been drafted slowly kind of get worked into an offense. And it seems like they've just been, you know, abandoned. Uh, and I don't really know if that has speaks to Ty Bowles' inexperience mm-hmm. um, working with an offense. Uh, you know, and maybe another team or another head coach would have kept these guys and worked slowly in, you know, when we've had all these injuries. But those draft pieces of a wasted. They're gone now. Yeah. So I, I think it's a you know a disaster. I think of Ardarius Stewart, who I've watched play in college, um, similar to a Kiki Kuti on the um, the mm-hmm. Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. as fast, but he's a guy who gets himself open. He runs excellent routes. I don't know what happened transition wise where he just did not make it to the NFL level. It's absolutely shocking to me that he's not on the Jets roster still. I still have a very I don't know very chippy feeling about. Him not playing in the NFL. 
So there's a lot of things here that I feel developmental-wise, the, the Jets really didn't see to the end of the road. And I think in the long run, that's going to hurt Sam Darnold's development as well. What is – the Jets are on a bye. Then they Thank come God. back right after Thanksgiving and they play a home game against the Patriots. What are you expecting in that game? What do you want? To, what do you want to see? If you're not expecting a W, what do you want to see? Honestly, if anything, at least a competitive spirit. the The Patriots, granted, this rivalry is brutally lopsided. is a rivalry nonetheless. Um, I'd like to see the Jets come out here and be aggressive, especially in defense. Um, obviously, Tom Brady is going to come and bring his A game. I don't expect him to come in here and hand one to the Jets, but I would like to see the defense get out there and attack the football, you know, attack the quarterback, put some pressure on Tom Brady in the pocket so he doesn't get time to get guys like Josh Gordon out deep and lined up for deep balls. I'd like them to keep an eye on Danny, uh, I said Danny Amendola, Julian (laughs) Edelman. I mean, those guys are interchangeable in that offense anyway. But um, obviously Amendola's not with the team anymore. Julian Edelman, I mean, is a guy who's just, you can set your watch to him catching a, a slant pass over the middle or a five-yard drag or a 10-yard out, you know, just short pass, check down kind of guy. Um, let's see if we can get Tremaine Johnson to earn his money. He says his quad injuries back to 100%, but he really did not look like a guy who, you know, was ready to play in an NFL game. He looked a little rusty out there. Right. So I expect the Patriots to watch the footage from that Bills game and to single him out in coverage. So they've got to be ready you know, to, to double up on him and double up on Gordon when necessary. Um, obviously, Gronk is kind of an up-in-the-air issue um, in terms of health, and I think they sat him out last weekend just to kind of mm-hmm. rest his back. Mm-hmm. So he's also going to be, you know, kind of a, a game-time decision, and Jamal Adams is probably going to be matched up with him for a good part of the game. So it's it's one of the issues Adams has in coverage in terms of uh, keeping up with faster tight ends, mm-hmm. and Gronk is deceptively fast. So we'll see um, in terms of a matchup. If Gronk has a big game, that's going to be, you know, Jamal Adams' opportunity to kind of take matters into his own hands. Okay. On offense, I'm still not sure whether or not Sam Darnold's going to be healthy for this game. Um, I'm also wondering if they're going to hold him out in terms of a confidence, you know, not to rattle his confidence a little bit against a so-so Patriots defense. Right. But maybe I think just this is one of those games where psychologically – this team is in a tailspin, and to put him in right now against, you know, a division rival, you know, Super Bowl champion uh, team might be too much. Mm. I'm, I'm very fascinated to see. I, I honestly think they should let him play at this point, um, but it's just... I mean, I'm of the mind you got to let him play, because it's like, listen, yeah. sooner or later, you got to play the Patriots twice a year, every yeah, year. You better get reps. used to it. Reps to reps. I mean, I think probably if you ask me, just... The one one thing I would like to see take some chances. I think they should let him play a little bit more to his style of football, where he he, he times the deep ball route and the deep pass. I, I don't see the Jets throw enough of those routes, those deep routes. Period. In any games, and they have guys. Curse can run a deep route. Obviously, you've got Robbie Anderson that can run a deep route. Spread the field a little bit. Spread the offense. They're too predictable in the short yardage passing game, and it makes teams play them. You know, close. They don't really expect a deep ball so obviously a lot of those passes are they're covered they're pretty well covered Darnold's passing percentage you know in part is not so much just because he's a rookie but just because the Jets offense is so vanilla Mm. it's very predictable offense 
Okay. Are you ready to talk about my Eagles? Lay it on me, buddy. So, Eagles are 4-5. and five. Um, They're in probably one of the worst divisions in the league, the NFC East. Um, there was a strong belief that even with all the mediocre, mediocre, even with all the average and mediocre play that the Eagles were having this season, there was a sense of there's a, they're the Super Bowl champs. They're in a shitty division. They'll turn it around. Well, I think after this past Sunday night, when they lost a home game to the Dallas Cowboys and essentially Dallas pulled ahead of them in the standings when they tied them at four and five, and they are now officially Two full games behind the Washington Redskins. Oh, my God. That team is bad. Yeah. Um, the fact that we're now at this point, um, you can't hide it. You can't just say, oh, let's just give them time. Wait till November. They'll turn it on. It's past that. The Eagles have legitimate problems that cannot be ignored. And I'm going to reel off some of the problems that I've seen because it's been hard to pinpoint it. Most of the pundits have struggled to pinpoint exactly what they've been doing wrong. I, I don't, I'm not an expert, but I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing. Um, the running game is hurting them. They never replaced LeGarrette Blunt, and Jay Ajayi tore his ACL. So pretty much they've been leaning on Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clement, and we talked about this before. It is now officially a major problem. They don't have the balance with the run game. They're not able to get first downs on the ground. They continually get into situations where they're, you know, running it on second down and they get to third and nine or third and eight. And then that brings you to the next piece. They're not converting third downs like they were last year. They were converting third downs at a ridiculous pace, like a historic clip last year. And you know what? Now they're regressing to the mean they can't convert third downs nearly as often. And all of a sudden, what happens? Stalled drives. And then with stalled drives, you get less scoring. The Eagles were able to pour points on play on teams last year. This year, they've cracked 30 points once all season, and it was against the Giants. And we both know the Giants are dog shit. Yeah. So they can't score. They can't run the ball. Let me introduce a few other wrinkles. The offensive line. Hasn't been playing as well. This offensive line that was playing amazing last year has not been playing as well. Really has not been stricken with injury. Just hasn't been playing as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. Lane Johnson missed a game. Jason Peters missed a game. You have Halapuli Vatavaitai having to really suit up and fill in for these guys. He's not the same. But be that as it may, whole offensive line is not performing nearly as well. They got off to a rocky start with the injuries. Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz didn't really start the season. Um, and then, and then you got to look at the defense, a defense that was primarily built on rushing the passer, get, you know, closing the pocket, getting turnovers and really getting after the quarterback as quickly as possible so that they could accommodate for the fact that their secondary is not an amazing secondary. That was how they did it last year. You don't believe me? Look at the Super Bowl when they gave up 500 yards to the Patriots, okay? The Patriots were able to throw the ball on them. They were just able to outscore them in the Super Bowl. This year, it's become extremely exposed. Teams are burning the Eagles' secondary, and then you layer on the fact that the secondary's injured. We lost Rodney McLeod a little bit earlier this season, and... Big fucking surprise, Ronald Darby tore his ACL this past weekend against the Cowboys. So now you're going to guys like Rasul Douglas, who I could pull up at least three or four highlights of him getting burned by multiple quarterbacks. And the, the, the front seven is not getting after the quarterback as quickly. 
They're not able to get the turnovers. They're not able to get the quarterback, you know, down. <clears throat> so he has time to actually air the ball out and get it where it needs to be. Brings us to my last point, the Eagles' inability to close a game out and protect a fourth-quarter lead. They've had multiple games this season where they've gone into the fourth quarter with a solid lead. They've proceeded to, A, not be able to move the ball, convert third downs, or score in the fourth quarter, and B, proceed to just give up touchdowns on the defensive end time and time again in the fourth quarter. Again, you don't believe me? Look at, look at the game against the Panthers, look at a game against the Titans, and shit. Jacksonville Jaguars nearly came back and did it to them in London a few weeks ago. They just The Jaguars suck, so they were actually able to pull out a victory. So, I've heard it put many, many ways, but I do feel one of the most accurate descriptions of their problem is it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. It's really all of these smaller things that kind of went their way, that, that worked out for them last year, is all sort of not going their way this year. And instead of being in the same you know, discussion with the Rams and the Saints and some of these other cream-of-the-crop teams that are just coming back and having, you know, building on the success of last season, the Eagles are stuck in a Super Bowl hangover. Um, Shaka, give me a few of your thoughts on what you're thinking about this Eagles team, and I think I'm going to come up with a few more points I want to rant about. Well, uh, Jason Kelsey put out there in an interview that he really felt that one of the biggest problems the Eagles have right now is team chemistry. And it's mostly an issue of compatibility with guys who were in that Super Bowl run last year who are no longer with the team. Guys like Torrey Smith, mm. um, you know, Garrett Blunt, obviously, who left in free agency. And I can't remember who the secondary uh, – actually, no, they picked up a guy um, when they traded away Torrey Smith. They traded for a corner who – Oh, uh, Daryl Worley? Yeah, I don't know if his Worley. I don't know. No, no, Worley they uh, he he got in a DUI and they cut him. Oh Jesus! And well, then he got that, signed I mean, by the Raiders. I believe he's on the Raiders now. Good grief! So I mean, yeah, that Kelsey attributes that you know to guys just really not being able to. And it, I'm, I'm talking about this more on the level of team leadership. You know, um, these guys who left, Tory Smith. And, hey, you know, um, by the way, I'm the reading the guy. article right now. Mac Hollins was another guy he was praising. Yes. Who, who so, yeah, I think he went on IR with a groin injury like three hours before week one. And he really called out that these guys were, you know, big team leaders. I think he was trying really to kind of, you know, not ruffle any feathers per se, but just to say that these guys were, you know, kind of the glue who kept the, the locker room together. Right. Um, I'm not, a, I'm really not of the same mind. I think the, the biggest issue really is just the defense is just not keeping them in games. And it changes the way you have to, to play on offensively. For a team when you're you're playing from behind or, you know, you got a team still in the game with you. You can't really go over to the running game to eat up the clock and to play a little bit defensively, you know, keep away with the football. Um, I mean, just talk about how many times I've watched the secondary give up big play after big play after big play. That just kind of breaks their back, especially on third down passing. Yeah. yeah. You know, it really alters the, you know, the, the flow of the game. Last year, you had opportunity where the Eagles went up. Let's say you're up by six points. You just give it to LeGarrette Blunt, and he would just pound the defense, you know, whittle away, whittle he, away. He would and get it. the third and one. Yeah, exactly. And now you're really not having that when you're third and one, and you go into a passing down. I mean, I saw uh, the I Eagles even, go for yeah. it on fourth and one, and, and they gave it to the rookie Josh Adams, and he got stuffed. It's It's been it's been kind of disheartening to watch, and it really shows you. I mean, granted, there are some teams that can just plug any 
running back end. Look at Ryan Lindsay in uh, Denver mm-hmm. in your scheme, and guys just work. But sometimes a, pl- a player is a player. Like they, you know, you pay them big money to come through in situations like that. I think right now a lot of the deficiencies on the Eagles, you know, defensive line and offensive line. I mean, it just comes down to not having those guys available. But the secondary, I think, has been just a glaring, glaring problem for the Eagles. And I think that's in the long run. It's that that secondary giving up big play after big play changes the overall dynamic of every game the Eagles have been in because they've been in games. Yeah. But, I, you know, it's just really towards the end is they fizzle out. I, Secondary gets cut. I mean, I, I could not agree more. Uh, I think that not having Timmy Jernigan is something they're suffering from on the defensive line. I think Haloti Nada and Michael Bennett have been good. I mean, Michael Bennett has been good. But again, Timmy Jernigan was really good last year. Uh-huh. Something else I want to highlight on the offensive side of the ball because you're missing this run game, Carson Wentz is doing everything. And, you know, to his credit, he has not been a weak spot of this offense. See, uh, there is a caveat there, but I'll get to it. He's actually been playing very well. He's the one who's actually moving the ball. When they can't run the ball, he's actually throwing great passes and, and moving the chains. He's not moving them as often because he doesn't have a run game, but he is able to move the chains. He is able to make amazing throws. You know, he and Zach Ertz have been playing fantastic this season. Alshon Jeffrey has been playing very well. I'm excited to see what Golden Tate can do in this offense. But if you look at Wentz's numbers, it's almost like he's right back on pace to what he was last year. The one caveat I want to say, though, you know, we love Carson Wentz. He's one of these new wave quarterbacks where everyone's just like, he's the wave of the future. He's exciting to watch. He's really good. Yada, yada. I get that. That reputation, though, allows us to glaze over and forget some of his mistakes. And you have to throw those in with some of the problems the Eagles have been having because they've been dying by paper cuts, and this is a paper cut. Okay, just the other night against the Cowboys, second possession for the Eagles, first play of the drive, he throws an interception to Leighton Van Der Esch. He just didn't see him. I mean, that's a, that's a rookie year bad interception that we just kind of don't talk about because... It's Carson Wentz. Right. And I've been watching these games with Carson Wentz. There were a couple of key interceptions, key fumbles, key turnovers at important times where you got to look at Carson and you got to say, dude, that was you. Like, you know, this one was the running back. This one was the secondary. This was your receiver tipped the ball in the air. You did not read the defense and you threw the ball right to the other team. And that's another element that we're seeing here. You know, I mean, as I think we all sort of fell in love with Carson to think that he's the he's the next Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. He's not there yet. This is still his third year. He's still getting better with the offense. And I mean, again, without a run game, you're seeing the effect that it can have on this team. Right. I and think. Um, well, I think that actually leads into the one conversation. That I, I I wanted to add to go our ahead. list of uh, just go, kick us right off. Um, John DeFilippo, who was the quarterbacks coach, correct during Carson Wentz's rookie year, and also you know there for his Super Bowl run last year, is no longer with the Eagles. Correct. He's the offensive um, he coordinator is, for the Vikings, and he's doing a fantastic job right now in Minnesota, just uh, working with Kirk Cousins and those dynamic receivers. I think they're probably if not one of the highest scoring. Are they top three? I think. I will take a look right now. 
Top three or top four. I mean, they, the they have to be up there. But um, they've just been really, really fantastic. And I, I, I think John Blake Filippo is one of those guys who's kind of, you know, I wouldn't say unsung, but he I don't think he can really hide in the background anymore. Guys, teams are looking at him hard in terms of a head coaching position next year, mm-hmm. especially with uh, the, pro- the, the progress and just the, the success he's had in his last couple of stops. It brings me to a point where not too long ago, the New York Jets, back during Carson Wentz's rookie year, mm-hmm. tried to pry John Filippo away. We, I definitely mentioned this on the podcast we had before because I think I ripped you about it. And I said, I guess you guys kept hang on to a good one. And that second year, since he didn't go to the Jets, he stayed with the Eagles and ended up getting a Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with all the problems with Todd Bowles, Probably not being around. I'm actually not saying probably. He's definitely not going to be the Jets head coach next year. No, I don't. I, I think the. I I totally agree. I think the decision's made there. I think his his fate is sealed. The Jets are again, you know, sniffing around at John Filippo for a head coaching position. Should he be open to one in the off season? Mm-hmm. So I, I think pro. I, and I want to point it out. Point him out specifically because I think, and you brought it up the the interceptions. Carson Wentz is playing fantastic football but i think he's a little bit more mistake prone and you threw a monkey wrench in my theory there when you pointed out the fact that the running back quality just is not up to snuff with last seasons that can attribute to more risky plays yep uh, in the passing game yep but i think part of it was john Filippo being such a good um instructor for carson wentz that we saw such a a progression um at the quarterback position and i think I'm, i think he's missing them a little bit at least in terms of just that constant feedback on the sidelines after after um, offensive series, mm. so um, I'm very fascinated to see just what happens. Does Filippo stay in Minnesota? Does he take a head coach job with the Jets or somewhere else? Because I'm sure the Jets aren't the only ones that are going to be calling. There are a couple guys. Vance Joseph in Denver looks like he might be yep um, out of a job soon. There are a couple guys who are um, on the chopping block in the NFL. You know, so, I, uh, it's I, I definitely want to comment because I was listening to uh, the Ringer NFL podcast. You know, I like to listen to that one. Yeah. And uh, they were commenting about this specific thing. They were talking They were talking about how we're in an era of coaching hires where teams are essentially trying to go out and get the next Sean McVay. They're trying to get this new, young, offensive-minded coach who can pretty much, you know, because it's sort of like Jared Goff was a bust. Until yep. Sean McVay showed up and figured out a way to get the most out of this quarterback. Now, is it because he was – is it the coaching? Is it the talent? You know, chicken or the egg? Who knows? But the truth is, how good is Jared Goff going to be? Like, how good would Jared Goff be if he was on this Jets team being coached by Todd Bowles? Right. So – what they believe is that they're saying more and more of these teams are understanding that they want to go get a John Filippo, And the teams that are the idiots are the teams that essentially bring in these, these defensive coordinators who have a couple of decent seasons and then bring them in as the head coach. And what they also think is even stupider is when they're trying to coach these young quarterbacks like Todd Bowles with the Jets. You know, why would you have a defensive-minded head coach when you're trying to essentially build your whole franchise around Sam Darnold? Uh, right. They made Vance Joseph was another example. I mean, not necessarily with Case Keenum, but uh, Steve Wilkes with the Cardinals. Josh Rosen, rookie quarterback. He's the future of your franchise, and their offense looks atrocious. They've already fired their offensive coordinator, and now I think you nailed it, man. I think all of these teams 
are going to be in the hunt for a John Filippo, a guy who can be sort of this offensive-minded guru. I mean, shit, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles was Frank Reich. Now he's the head coach of the Colts. Yeah, so I definitely think I think you're onto something because if the I think the Jets going after D. Filippo as head coach would be an excellent decision. I would also point out the uh, I can't remember the coordinator's name in Kansas City, but I mean what he's done with Pat Mahomes. Oh, uh, um, oh, the current coordinator. Yeah, gotcha. Because 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 um, Nagy's gone. Matt Nagy left and took a job in. And you know who the co- the offensive coordinator before Nagy was. Doug Peterson. Uh, was the, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that coaching tree, man. That is a fruitful tree. Andy Reid cannot figure out how to manage the clock, but he does know how to coach football, apparently. Sweet Jesus. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, the, he's the – I can't remember the offensive coordinator's name. That's Bierma? I cannot remember. I'm it's it's right completely slipped my mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eric Bienemy. Bienemy. So he's – I mean, he's probably going to be – getting a few offers i would not be surprised before the season's out yeah so it there's a i mean it's it's rampant right now man guys are guys are getting called up left and right so and this is an arms race this is an absolute yeah. arms race at this point i mean look when you look when you talk about the defensive coaching um well these defensive coordinators getting head coaching jobs that was the old wave that was what we're talking about yeah. like the 2000 ravens yeah where you know like that was that was the fad where they were guys were getting jobs just left and right because they, they, you know, were defensive coordinators or, you know, secondary coaches on like Super Bowl championship winning defenses. Right. Like that was the wave. And that wave has been long dead because offenses and just the NFL rules now are set I was going to say the rules, they're all geared towards protecting the offenses, getting more touchdowns and making it harder for defensive players. I know that yeah. it's all in the guise of safety, but that's what's happening to the game. It's a pendulum, and I, I'm almost wondering there's going to be some guy down the road. There's going to be some defensive coach who kind of cracks the code. And I don't think he's going to be able to really stymie these offenses so much, but he's going to do just enough to tweak, you know, and to get a defense that works and kind of fits into this new age, just, you know, high-powered offenses, and just do enough to, to stop the, the blood loss that, you know, we're going to have defensive coaches again be the wave at some point it's going to take time because i mean i think just the way the rules are set up right now it's impossible to have a, a shut down nfl defense it's tough look at the jaguars they fell apart on like in, next in a year less than a year it fell, it's, it fell apart so quickly like all it takes is for a, a a shutdown corner to have a rough couple of weeks and that's it your Jeez. your reputation's gone well this weekend the eagles will go on the road to play the eight and one new orleans saints and Shaka, for the first time in a very, very long time, because I am such a diehard fan, I have a lot of difficulty being biased with my Eagles team. I am not picking the Eagles to win this game. I feel for you. I'm, I'm actually, I'm a form, I'm formally picking the Saints. I think they're on a roll. I think they're able to drop 50 points at will. Uh, the Eagles struggle to score, and. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's going – I mean, I hope it's a close game, but I don't think it will be a close game. And uh, it's really disappointing to say that, but it's the truth, and uh, that's where I'm at. This has been mind-boggling to look at how how well Drew Brees has performed offensively. Oh, my God. While only having Michael Thomas, really. I mean, Ted Ginn's been injured. Um, obviously, Des Bryant didn't even get to Des Bryant. Game. Oh, God. They just signed Bra- – um, Brandon Marshall. They just signed Brandon Marshall. They liked him before um, 
before they had Dez on the on the table, but I, Marshall came back around. They just signed him, so I, I'm I'm I, I don't even know where to start. Look, and granted, you still have Alvin Kamara who can line up in the slot, line up in the backfield. They just got Ingram back and healthy. I I really wish I could sugarcoat it for you, but I, I think uh, I think Carson Wentz is going to be fighting an uphill battle this weekend. I think you're right. I I think you're absolutely right. Um, it's gonna be it'll be fun to watch, but uh. It should be a high-scoring game. It, it I, should be a high-scoring game. You're absolutely right. If the Eagles are able to actually score that much, that Saints that Saints defense did pretty okay last weekend, but I, I still think there's some there's some chinks in the armor on defense. No, I agree. I totally agree. Um, all right, Shaka, that's it. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, uh, it's been fun, guys. Yeah, everyone, thank you very much for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Uh, email us, uh, Shocker, I, any questions you might have or comments at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. Um, we're going to get the hell out of here. Enjoy this weekend's slate of games. The Jets get a nice weekend to take off. My eagle, my Eagles hopefully won't get beat by a drum by the Saints, but whatever the case, we'll be back next week to talk about it and, and unpack it and figure out what the rest of the NFL season holds. So, as always, thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Enjoy the games, guys.